Welcome to the podcast then. Hi, thanks. Thank Episode number me. two with your host Zeeshan. Wow. I'm really happy you're doing this. Yeah? I watched the first uh, one. What did you yeah. think about it? I think because it was the first one, maybe there was something we haven't thought of. There was sometimes it was a little long here and there. I think just like technical thing. Yeah. man i've been pushing this podcast like, thing for like wise, a... i can't relate to what you are talking about but i enjoyed it ah yeah yeah that's but i got some nice messages from some very nice people they were like oh my god that's so cool um this girl messaged me she was like oh i've never i've never heard like a podcast like this and it was so relatable uh, people don't really talk about shawarmas and i love it and all that stuff and i was like oh that's so cool even like that one person <laughs> right uh, it's just that you just need uh, one person to say something nice and that's uh, that means a huge uh, deal i i won't lie i was a little nervous for this because my friend and i have been doing zoom remote podcasting for a while and it didn't go well yeah why so not? i was a little nervous start thing because the quality didn't come as well as we wanted it that's in the that's US. kind of the thing right yeah, like, even i i was worried about that initially so i mean obviously i think about like video quality and all that stuff right overly obsessively so and it's very uh-huh. expensive like um audio equipment and all that stuff like if you want to properly do it then you need like a three camera setup and then invite someone and um set a date and you know actually go out and shoot it that's like a lot of that's a lot of uh, and it's it's a lot of commitment people don't make up like so this no one really has any excuse you get what i mean even i don't have an excuse i can shoot a podcast like i can shoot like yeah. three a day right so i won't give myself the excuse that oh you know uh i need this i need that to get it done so even though even though someone hits me up and tells me oh you know you know this could have been better that could have been better video quality could have been better but i'm doing it with what i have right and then for me that progress is very important over uh over perfection that's something that took like a very long time yeah, to uh, understand i guess it's a big thing coming from you yeah for me yeah yeah it took me like a while progress of perfection man i'm such a perfectionist it's insane no ram madam ram lagegi so other than so people know you as nabila the influencer the woman who stands up for women and uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of you know like a like an internet warrior who are you otherwise oh. i internet is just like what i update people on what happens in my real life like my i'm i'm mostly active offline yeah that's why i do my volunteering and things like that and 
I just use the internet as a platform to just go, by the way, guys, look at all the cool things I did with people, you know. And that's something people don't understand. They sometimes they think, okay, this is all she does, which is also fine. I mean, it's their opinion of me. Yeah. Um, uh, other than that, well, I am an undergrad. I'm still finishing off that. We run an organization with Muslim women. We try to engage and have conversations and things like that. Yeah. And that's fairly very young. It's a young movement, but we're like trying to gather as much as we can and move forward. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just actually a pretty regular girl, man. I'm just, I'm just here. Pretty regular. Yeah, I'm not, nothing. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes really, really, really like, oh. I'm like, why did I post that? But yeah. You don't understand the impact you have on these women. Man, it's insane. No, no, it's true. It's true. I'm being like, very honest. Some of these people are very moved by it and all that stuff, right? Yeah, sometimes I do get emotional, I won't lie. And it's because I think when you're when you're here, when you're in my shoes, you're dealing with things on a first hand basis. So sometimes it's eleven forty five in the night, a girl's calling you up because someone's beating her. What do really? you do? Yeah. Yeah. How so would if, you handle a situation kind of, like that? Uh, you have to tell her to call the police. You can't get involved and yeah. um, Especially as an individual, right? Because I'm not a yeah. Especially I'm not a trained uh, person like for for crisis response like that. So I can't tell people what to do. But unfortunately, when we're working with women who are marginalized or from minority groups, they feel safe contacting a volunteer that they trust as opposed to the authorities. Yeah. Unfortunately, so sometimes they call us and all we tell them is to contact the authorities. We have to sometimes just stay up till they do that. And then you go to bed and um, you think, oh, wow, we have it better than the others. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of personal reflections that go on. And you, you really have to look back at your own life and think, oh, wow, what are the decisions that you are making? How are you impacting everyone? It's, it's a lot of thinking and responsibility. So sometimes when you do see things happening, we just sometimes we get really emotional. We're just like, why is this happening again? Isn't this like enough time to stop? Yeah. Shouldn't this be have uh, taken, you know, ca- taken care of? I think of recently some, like that, some right? man was talking about like how to. Yeah. Like recently this man was talking about how to avoid rape and, you know, have a fully charged phone or some, some nonsense like that. And then I just after I looked at it, I went onto the road and just in my road, I felt very unsafe because some man was just Loki following me around. So I think it's that like that reality that people don't understand that uh, sometimes we are just faced with one-on-one and it's very difficult to convey that also. But um, have to keep, uh, have to keep, have to keep going. I don't know if I just made a, a full circle turn, but yeah. <laughs> I, I'm here. But how did you get? How did you get here? Where did it start? There must be some pivotal uh, uh, point, right? Uh, I was a girl guide. Is a girl I'm guide a girl like a girl scout? School. I how does it work? I, I, I genuinely something don't like know. that. But our curriculum, our curriculum is a little difficult, so it's not so much in the woods, but it's okay. a little like sewing and social work and things like that. So I think I started in school. I hated staying in one place and studying, even though I was technically okay at it. So I was always spending time at school with extracurricular activities. So whether it's guiding or like whatever. And then I found this really cool way of, you know, I just joined groups that were going outstation or here or even just in Colombo. Because I was I just didn't want to be home and I just I think through travel and through meeting different people, sort of realized that there is this life outside my bubble, mm. you know. And then when you grow older, you realize sometimes you're not so far away from the people who are going through all of these things. Yeah. You're actually in the same category. So one thing I did was even after I left school, I continued to have that arm of volunteering or service or something like that. 
uh, I know I call it volunteering, but I don't know exactly what the right word is. It's more like going in to the field, what people call the field. Yeah. Going in community and understanding how how you can be a part of the solution. Unfortunately, Zeejan, in in Colombo, there is this mentality when you say like community work or something, they think you're like a savior. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're like flying, and then you land, and then the problem gets solved. Uh, that's it's a huge problem. I think it's so problematic when people do this thing where they just print a T-shirt and have a logo and call themselves so and so's, and then, but they don't have that mindset of you know listening to people, see, understanding that people might they might know better than you. Yeah. Like when 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 we go into a place or a lo- new location or whatever, you have to have this like hum- like humility that you know i'm not going here to change your life you know i'm here because you invited me yeah. right but i'm here to like have this dialogue with you and see where i can fit in and where you can fit in like if put I yourself in their really shoes cool right basically yeah and if i if i have something really cool to teach you that can change your life i'm going to do it with you and i'm going to teach you how to do it and but the actual lesson and actually why people get so addicted at least in a healthy way yeah. to volunteering because i know some people who do it because they really want to yeah it's because they know that there are so many lessons out there for them mm. it's about going there and getting it it's not like it's not the money or it's not it's there's no money anyway it's it's none of those things it's a sense of perception right like something that you can get out of everything i guess like uh, not not in like a negative standpoint like um, Yeah, like a lesson exactly. yeah basically like a lesson it's right like, lesson to be yeah. learned from an experience yeah and it's it's just so catered to you like it, it's like almost the universe telling you this is this is your lesson for today yeah so yeah that that that's one of the reasons i just like doing it and i will continue to do it But yeah, unfortunately it's difficult to explain that to people they just think oh you're doing it so it looks good on your cv or you do it cuz you know it makes you look cool <laughs> yeah but uh, i used to i used to do a lot of uh, volunteering when i was right out of school right and then uh, the shit i used to get was oh are you doing it to look like a good person i mean i was like no i like doing it yeah right i like helping people so but then yeah i i don't know people can be obnoxious like that I mean just because they don't do it they try to put the other person down right so there's a, like a, like are you doing it just because so that people would think you know you're better than them and all that stuff I mean that's not it I genuinely couldn't bother what other people thought about me but yeah and also like back in the day volunteering was a rich person's job you know you need a lot of money it's like an expensive hobby yeah, you're, yeah. you're literally just spending your own money but now it's not like that the, the the rules are a little bit more relaxed you know people give you allowances you're allowed to have like you know you you can't be burnt out yeah. helping like the situation you need to be like stable and things like that so back in the day it was more of a okay if you had money you could do it which is why there's like a year in real or like something like a huge uh, period in my life where i was just like yo i can't support this Yeah. I got stop. Stop practical, I, right? I no reason to that. Like, I don't have money, and then people. I think people understood that they said, "Okay, we we change things around." So, I mean, you just can't have rich people doing volunteering. It's not gonna go well. So, yeah, I think now people are people are way more understanding of that. Um. So, how did the sisterhood initiative come along? Like, where did that happen? Like, how does the uh... how did that come about so okay so this this is where the long story starts so uh when we left school uh, we were part of like the sri lanka united green team where we traveled to every province in the island we were doing workshops on peace and reconciliation so we were like peace builders young peace builders and we were really new to the game we were like stupid we were we didn't know what to do but we learned on the job so yeah. it was a, it was very Anyways, right? And then I remember when we were almost done giving Dilpattu, and um, 
one of my mentors taught me this she sort of opened my eyes up to like how especially the muslim community we need to have more intra faith discussions right like yeah. we are from one faith but even in our own faith we are not homogeneous right we are like such a spectrum so we should all get together and just like have a conversation and understand how different we are and how how it's okay that we are different right so that idea has been playing around my brain for a bit of time and then i pitched it to some people they didn't really get it got got, got kind of like uh, like you know ah don't do it it's not your thing sort of thing um then fast forward a few years i got on instagram then after that i just started like giving my two cents and opinions on things which i didn't like think too much of i just thought it was like a fun thing to do taste attacks and things like that yeah. and i just saw this like event for young muslims where i just felt like wow you know like <laughs> we literally had like a terrorist attack done in our religion's name right and then this is the quality of youth work that happening in the name of our community that just so wrong and i just got so mad and like like i said like something triggered and i just like i mean an igtv and then so many women uh wrote back to me like and they were just like my god nabila like i agree with you and i would love to learn more about whatever things you said and i was like i don't know a lot of the things i said but cool let's do that and i was like give me like a month i have my exams to do and then got a google form and about 100 women signed up just on instagram and then we made a whatsapp group and then we had like our first event about my friend's house and um yeah about 35 30 women showed up and then women in candy saw it happening and they were like we also wanted so we went to candy and the rough 40 45 girls and young women showed up and we were like cool and then then we got like hits from some other places as well and we were like okay let's continue to do this and then covid happened so then we were like right where go so then we were like okay let's just do things online we cleared up our registrations we invited people to join all over again and now after covid uh settled down a bit i mean not settled down but now people are moving about a bit more yeah. right so we had a kalambu meeting all over again so i mean things are looking up uh, sometimes it's difficult to i mean with the country like ours when you're like when politics and things like that are not stable people don't understand how difficult it is to like organize programs for people like yeah. just organize movement it's not easy like um, so in sri lanka we have so many factors that come into play uh, especially for advocacy and activism and things like that so we we just make a plan we see if we can do it and we do it and then we check what the responses are and we just keep doing it again like right now that's that's what we do so ideally what we do is we, we work with muslim women also with non muslim women as well so more like allies and we um we check on how you know how we can have engagements on different topics yeah so when are the religious groups so anything uh like you know politics or like law reforms or things like that and we sort of give women the intel on here's what happens this is how the system works here's how you are benefiting or not benefiting So yeah, it, it, it's really important that women get into those conversations because what I feel like is, in, especially in the Muslim community, a lot of the women don't get the same access to information as men. Yeah. So we. That's why I to, found this entire thing fascinating, right? I mean, yeah. the the female Muslim community are fairly oppressed. Fair, not fairly oppressed, but then it's it's just that they don't have a say, right? In most of the things, right? So. all they need is a voice a platform to voice their opinions which 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 you guys have provided which is insane so i found that amazing yeah. i w- i wouldn't use the word oppressed per se but more like not involved no. in the process like okay. they're just not there like they're not part of the system they don't you don't need their opinion like Oh, okay. It's like okay we we'll let the let the muslim men majority like represent us but No, we have so many Muslim women. We have women who wear the hijab, women who don't, women who wear the niqab. Like we need all their voices to come to a conclusion, you know. But it also starts with us in the grassroots talking to Muslim women and telling them, 
here's how the system is here's how here's a, here are the issues here are the solutions that we can think of and it it's i i honestly think it's really important like we have to start at the bottom we can't just go think of law reforms if people are not equipped with the right capacity so basically ground up right yeah i mean you have to think grassroots man yeah. especially with people like you can't think of oh let let's be activists people are like okay but how does it work you know like you have to go from the to clean it up from the the water yeah but then it must be difficult right to get get a message across uh yeah. i mean people are very stubborn and ignorant so how do you how do you um, solve that problem <laughs> here's the thing i have honestly met muslim men and muslim women who i didn't think were going to be supportive but they were so supportive zishan i'm talking about muslim men who will call us up before we go to candy and be like i heard you are like coming we also want to join we don't want to talk really? we just want to listen Yeah, and these are Maulavis. These are Maulavis. Like they, these are religious leaders, and they're like, no, we understand. There's a problem, sister, in our community. We need to talk, sister. And we're like, we don't listen. We don't want to say anything. And I was like, it's fine. I'm like, just today, not today, just another day, you know. <laughs> But um, yeah, it, it, it's a it's a case of for a lot of Muslims and also like Sri Lankans in general. Sometimes they find it difficult to separate faith. and uh, a cultural practice yes that's because they have they've um, it's it's like a sense of symbiosis right at this point they can't yeah. really differentiate what is what is a cult, cultural construct or what is like a religious construct especially in sri lanka yeah. so so for example like recently i had this conversation with a girl who messaged me and she was like nabila i really want to fight for basic human rights but if it's compromising my religion i can't It's not looking good. <laughs> Why do you think you are doing this? Like, did you really think when 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 Islam came to this earth that Allah thought, hmm, I'm not going to basic human rights? But that's no. the problem, right? Our lack of understanding is because, uh, like, our parents who have taught us also have lack of understanding, right? Because they've been taught by someone else. You can't really blame them. Like, okay, you know. but then no, no, no. that's just how you it is right you you have to give people like the the right to have their opinion you can't be like you're wrong it's my opinion over yours how do you deal the with problem that problem especially it's <laughs> frustration that's that's, that's, that's my question like, oh, that's the biggest question man so like at the beginning i was like oh my god girl like what's up girl do you want me to come over and teach you but now it's just like you know what I told her that look, you don't have to believe what I believe in. We can have two different opinions, but let's not fight. Let's try to see what what's up, right? And I told her, look, she gave me whatever she had, whatever like link she thought she was reading, and then I thought, okay, cool. Then I thought, okay, these are the links to counter whatever you said, and I didn't really hear back from her. But that's just an example. Like I think it's really important to have those. hard and tough conversations because you can't come into an agreement yeah. overnight like especially interpretations of just one verse in the quran right yeah like definitely it it's a lot it's a lot of thinking you have to do like we are not qualified to just look at it and be like oh this is what they meant like these are people who have been reading it for such a long time and i think that's also one thing where people just fall short because they don't know how to interpret it so they just read only one interpretation of it and they don't want to be open to reading other inter- interpretations then it's taken out of context right yeah, that's the other thing yeah yeah and i think what's really beautiful about like islamic scholars from the past is that they love to disagree with each other like they never had the same opinion they just be like They they just like fight, but they'd be like friends at the end of the day. But they would have all these disagreement was views. okay. Now it's now it's a huge problem. Yeah, now it's like if you disagree, oh, so you're not Muslim. How 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 yeah. how so how did that come to this point? Right, that's the question. Why are people in this day and age so problematic with disagreements? Right. 
Is it entitlement? I think it's just a need to be right all the time. I need. I think it's a little bit of ego, right? Like yeah. if you think about it, because if you don't didn't have ego, you'd be like, fine. I I know I'm right, but I'm open to your opinion also. Yeah. But now it's a point of no, I'm right, and you better think it's right too. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm just going to be really mad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's just it's seeing things as black and white, and not seeing things as black. Gray, dark gray, light gray. It's it's a problem. Sometimes it's really difficult because a lot of people sometimes label you as difficult, and you know they come up with names for you as well. Why so do you get labeled as difficult? I won't say difficult. Yeah, I think I get labeled as problematic sometimes. Like for example, especially when I say things like you know we need to have a, a set age for marriage. Like yeah. I I. Don't, Including women need to get married at 18, along yeah. with all the other our Sinhalese sisters and uh, Christian sisters, right? But people, then people say, "Ah, oh, okay, so you haven't read the Quran properly. You don't believe in the prophets, Hadith. You are, you know, you are this, you are that. And don't you know you also have to get married someday?" So it's always like personal attacks that yeah, come in. Yeah, personal attacks. That that this has that has nothing to do with the actual conversation, yeah. right, or the argument. It's it's a yeah. form of blackmail. And you know, like sometimes when you're not wearing the yeah, and also like especially like for Muslims, you know, when you're not wearing the hijab, they automatically assume that you are not Muslim. So they just like come up with all the other things in the world. Like okay, so Dada, you're not wearing the hijab, so I don't want to listen to what you're saying in the first place. You just it's also very wrong. Like I'm it not is, trying to say, is. okay, you need to listen to me. But you also need to be, you know, open to. You need to be open to information, which is sometimes difficult uh, in our community. But I love to focus on the positives, which is that there are so many. And I would, I would just, I sometimes when it's really humbled, you know, when we come across messages from men who say things like, "I never knew that. I read more into it. I understand it now." And I hope when I get married and have my own family, I'll never let my wife feel this way and I'll make her sign along with me. Yeah. You know, we, we have things like that as well. And we, we love to focus on those. Yeah, for, for the viewers who have no idea, like me, like I, I have very too little, like almost no knowledge on how this whole, yeah. the, the, the marriage act, what is it called? Muslim Marriage Act. So, uh, yeah. How does yeah, the Muslim Marriage and Divorce Act? Yeah. MDA. Okay, so the very problematic uh, topic. So I, I let's jump into it. Yeah, so sad story. I also got to know about this very young, like very late. Yeah. Yeah, very late. Because even I didn't, I didn't care, and I didn't know. I was like, why is the name MDA? I don't know. My parents will probably be like for me, right? But um, it's a very problem law that we have uh, it, it's not a lot of people think it's this divine islamic law right but it's not it actually came from indonesia from when indonesia was called batavia okay. so it was from there it got mixed up with like european you know we colonized right so it got mixed with roman dutch law and like even some tamil community practices right we don't take dowry right but in the MMDA, there are so many, there, there are provisions, things like dowry, right? So this is just like a little bit of an acharu mix of uh, laws, right? So it's not exactly Muslim, it's not non-Muslim, it's just like a mix of everyone's uh, cultures and practices. So uh, this law has some provisions. It's the law that allows us, us Muslims to get married, divorced, uh, inheritance, uh, divide property, and things like that, right? Um, so one of the main things is that there is no age limit for Muslim girls to get married for uh, for, for for anyone getting into a uh, marriage, right? So it's not explicitly stated as sixteen or twelve or what. And also we give up, uh, this responsibility for a Kazi judge to decide at what age is best for them to get married. Yeah. So sometimes, it's not sometimes, so this is the reason why there's a lot of 
underage marriages that take place, technical child marriages that take place in the Muslim community. And we can't just go around and say, you know what, raise the minimum age. We can't just say, increase it to 18. You also have to think about all the other things, like, okay, where are the girls going to get, where are they going to study, or how are their families going to support them? We have to think of all those community aspects as well. But we also have to make sure that, you know, yeah, but we also can't run this risk of girls getting married so young. And uh, because they don't know about the things when, when they get married, right? They don't know about taking care of children, you know, how, how these how these things happen. They yeah. fall into such a vulnerable, vulnerable like, risk category. It's not fair on them, right? So, so that's one. Um, another thing is when you look at the divorce uh, and like how you can apply for it, the men and women have very unequal uh, ways of getting one. So for men, almost no explanation is necessary to get a divorce. Whereas for the woman, she has to actually prove it. So if she was harmed, if she was violated, she has to have evidence of all of those things, right? Whereas a man might does not have to give any information or like documents or anything. He can just say, this is why I want to get a divorce, right? So that itself is very unequal and that's not a very islamic thing either like islam is all about equality right but this is just an mmba thing um the third thing is i don't know why i didn't say this first but muslim women don't need their signature on the marriage contract yeah i've heard about that yeah yeah it's their father or their guardian who signs on behalf of her right here's the thing when you say this to people they say oh yeah but you ask for her consent like you ask her Here's the thing, again, you can ask her if she wants to or not, but whatever her response is, it's not going to be recorded on that uh, contract. Right? Yeah. So even if she says yes or no, you can journey her, do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, who cares what she thinks? Like, whatever, you know, and that happens a lot. And especially, especially during COVID, you know, this is the time of a pandemic where we were all told to stay home because we're safe. But was everyone safe at home? Not really. We we got calls from girls from Matale uh, and etc. But there were forced marriages taking place. Like these women were not asked whether they want to get married, right? So at a time like that, you know, they have to call in the police to interrupt proceedings or give in a statement that, you know, this has been taking place without my consent. Like that's something girls should know. If something like this happens, you, you have to call in the authorities to intervene, right? But why are we putting Muslim girls at such a lot of responsibility? Like this shouldn't be happening in the first place. You know, they should be able to say yes or no, or sign or not sign on a contract, and that that's just really unfair. And the fourth, there are there are more problems with the MMDA, but I just want to highlight four main things. Yeah. Is that in so when you talk about family law, it's not like the Sri Lankan courts. That's not how you solve the issue, right? You stand, you you go in front of a Kazi court judge who deliberates for you, and in Sri Lanka, in our uh, Muslim, uh, in, in our family courts, the judges are always male. Yeah. So we don't have female Kazi court judges. So it's the only position in Sri Lanka, administrative and judicial, that discriminates on the basis of gender. So technically, a Muslim woman can be a lawyer. She can be a chief justice of the country, but she can't be a Kazi court judge. And that's just really wrong. Like, if you think about it, like the prophet's wife, Aisha Raya Ravanha, she wrote so much of the legislation. She she had so much of knowledge. She made sure all of those were scripted and like transcribed and recorded, right? So it's so much so that when scholars had questions or clarifications, they would go to her and get her opinion on things like that. The Islamic law that we practice today, a huge part of it was from her contributions, just from one person, and that yeah. was a woman's, right? So when we have women like that in our past, why are we asking Muslim women not to apply for things like this because it's a man's job? It doesn't make sense. You understand this is not an Islam thing or a Muslim thing. This is just a man versus woman thing. Like you don't want women to have the same equal opportunities as you. So what happens is, Jishan, when you are a Muslim girl, automatically when you are born, legally, systematically, you are not seen equal to a man. 
or any other citizen. So that's why you, there's, a, there's an amazing research done by this activist group called the MPL-RAC, Muslim Personal Law Reforms Action Group. And the title of the research is Muslim Women Unequal Citizens. Because technically, <laughs> it is. If, you're, if you don't need your signature, if you don't need this, if you can't apply for this, you are almost not uh, seen as equal to your counterpart. So this is why it's important to talk about these things, because especially at a time like this, there are so many conversations taking place regarding like reforms and child marriages. And some old 2012 consensus has been passing around saying, oh, it's not only Muslims who have underage marriages, it's like everyone. Yeah. And that consensus is also very uh, problematic. It, if you read the 2013 report by the UN on that, it talks about how that report was not done really well. The census was not taken properly. It was yeah. not a very uh, accurate dis- uh, di- description. So, yeah, man, we have to like we have to be more aware and like really step it up because like maybe it won't affect us because we're coming from like middle income age group like you know we're coming from like sort of okay families privileged families and things like that but what about all the women who don't have what we have right they're not going to be um they're not going to be safe in an environment like this so yeah so where do you think where does this problem stem from is is there anything precautions that we can take at home uh what do you think people like in what form can we be you know more knowledgeable like, what are the first steps we can take as citizens, you know, of Sri Lanka? I think the community, the community, first of all, has to have more conversations. So, especially in mosques, like for Jumma prayers, like you guys go for prayers and then you all have, you know, you all have sermons, right? Which is something we don't get access to. So I've never heard of sermon, but you probably have. So... Again. Yeah, but then from my personal experience, not all sermons, like in, in all honesty, I I don't listen to a lot of sermons because most of them are very biased and they have, uh, they argue about nonsensical things, which I personally don't stand for. Uh, I'm probably going to get a lot of shit okay. for this. But, but uh, it's 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 some of these statements are super absurd. Like I, I don't want to say any of them out loud, but uh, it's just it just comes from ignorance and lack of knowledge, um, right? Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's I I can't even put it into words. So so yeah, so yeah, like I've heard it from my dad. Like they're not that great. Like no, sometimes my dad comes home and tells me like what happened, and I'm just like. That's just so wrong why I'm saying those things. But what I was trying to say was like, especially in like that Friday Juma, like the sermon is such an important, such an important time to congregate everyone and have a conversation. Yeah. And it's like at places like that where they have to mention these things and say, these are the issues we have in our community. What are we doing? You know, we need we need to we need to we need to protect our women, we need to do better than this. But Unfortunately, a lot of politics plays into things like this. Even religious, like whenever something gets institutionalized, yeah, there are always ways for politics to creep in, and that's something that happens. Uh, like if you really think about it, it's these politicians who have not stepped it up, who have not passed the reforms. There are so many recommendations by so many Muslim women's groups men's groups, community groups that have been put forward and said just reform it, like for God's sake, it's in front of your face. But everyone keeps coming up with an excuse and some last minute um, decision that just doesn't help it go. To really understand who is with the people and who is not with the people. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, at the end of the day, that's something that happens. But I'm really hopeful that at least this time, uh, something positive will come out because of the type of conversations that are taking place. But there are talks that there would be some kind of change uh, this time around. So, I mean, we yeah, can Yeah, I, I honestly think, like, yeah, at least for child marriages, I think something, something good will happen. Like, I don't think it will continue the way it is. So something, something, yeah. Yeah, it's a very, uh, it's a very daunting thought, um, the whole child marriage issue. 
but then that's yeah. that's a problem a lot of parents uh, mostly out of colombo think it's fine right because uh, for reasons i don't know it it's normalized um it yeah it's also and like the you know the i want it's not really cultural it's also a huge economical thing you know yeah. like families are not doing well like money wise they're not doing well and they feel much more comfortable giving their daughter in marriage hoping that she will get a better life there that that's what happens that's why women are not put into schools sometimes even school fees is too much for them to pay and these are also problems that have to be addressed yes a lot of the times you know when laws are not strong where it's not strengthened when the system is not equipped unfortunately the community has to be guardians like we have to become guardians of the community right so sometimes when people come up to us and say okay you're talking about this but what are you going to do about that we are in no capacity to do anything, anything. <laughs> it's not our responsibility these are there are people we vote for uh, every once in um, a couple of years that have to do these things so we need to strengthen systems and we need to strengthen communities to do better you know so i understand it's not an easy thing to for me to just be like yo stop child marriages they have so many other things to think about as well so yeah but i really hope from this like at least through the conversation we can change the things at least through like a generation and then through that yeah what kind of message would you give um the girls at home actually to be your own research like you have to read you can't wait till someone else gives it to you you'll be avidly curious yeah yeah you you have to it's like this man like for me like if i'm a girl like this is something i tell girl guides like they're like young kids right i tell them okay you're a girl what are the things around you that matter to you right you're a girl you're this age you're this age category you are still you're, you go to school you are this many years old whatever right you need to learn everything about all those things you need to know everything whether it affects you or not because you never know where you'll be in the next month or next year right it's a very like general thing very general and vague thing to say yeah. but the idea is that even if something doesn't directly affect you or it doesn't matter you need to know these things at least to help someone else and um, a lot of the times that's the thing like when we are so privileged we are like it doesn't bother it doesn't me, bother so me so why should so i what? yeah yeah that's a problem yeah. yeah but it's really not about you this this thing is about all of us yeah. and if one person is not doing well then you're not going to be doing well either i guess in a way we that, kind of lack the big bigger picture right yeah you have to have a bigger picture and also like you have to feel something for someone else suffering out there right? yeah especially if they are from your community you need to feel that a little bit more and because i don't know like for me especially after the terrorist attacks last year i i really felt that i felt like i had neglected my community for a long time you know we can avoid the party mind but the party when i can call myself in something else it, it won't matter yeah. but at least on paper you know i am not wearing the hijab so someone can assume i'm burger or something like that but once i give my id they know who i am you know and those were really difficult times to be in sri lanka like yeah. i i go to a state university on the only muslim in my class those are not fun times right they were just difficult and after we went through that if we are still going to live the same way we lived before that we are not going to get through this so we need to identify what we can do what we can change and who are our allies and listen to them get their support and really think of this as a sri lankan thing you know like yeah. sri lankan muslims and how can what does that identity mean to us you know when you volunteer in places like in places that focus on peace building because our country just has a history of having conflict right <laughs> conflict of the conflict yeah. you really understand yeah you really understand this concept of like what is an inclusive sri lankan identity like what does it mean to be you what does it mean to be muslim and sri lankan at the same time muslim and friends with uh, a tamil person 
those identities are so important to us not for ego purposes but just to you know like how we how we function yeah and i think that's definitely something i would tell any sri lankan muslim listening in we need to be part of the solution you can't just give your opinion on the sideline you know an action towards it you know yeah yeah and you know even if you can't do the action part at least help by not being a problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't be an obstruction oh like if you can't like yeah don't be in my dms telling me things you just help people man so so yeah so yeah That was good like yeah you touched on all the important points are you missing anything out like is there something that uh... no i just i just hope when i look back at this i don't sound like this like prob- like i don't i just sound like this problematic teenager voice oh my god guys like seriously step it up <laughs> i just hope you come up like that but yeah no, i have you are, don't that, worry uh, Okay. Yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to just like be updated and listen to things, and like you know, this is how things work. Like read, read activist uh, um, newsletters and things like that, and research. And even you can just reach out to Sisterhood Initiative, but not not for like uh, assistance per se, but for like reading materials and things like that. We can. How can they get in touch with the Sisterhood Initiative? What are their contacts and whatnot. yeah we are on facebook we are on instagram and our website is currently underway like today they are having the website launch meeting so just figure that part out and just send me a message and i will tell you how it works how how do yeah, how like, are they going to find you on instagram what's your instagram uh, handle i i, I really don't <laughs> remember dude <laughs> it's like i'm navila ikbal but like in between those two names there is an x Why is there an X, Nabila X Iqbal? Because I couldn't find any other way to put my name. And that was the only way. Is that just a double A? No, I don't know. Nabila like Iqbal. It wasn't there. <laughs> no, there is this Pakistani girl with only one photo in her account, and she does not even use her account. And it's my name. She can just give it to me. Sorry, shall I drop a DM? <laughs> she won't reply. All her replies and all her like all the comments on her photos are, "Hi, I am Nabila from Sumanto. Please give me the <laughs> the the same thing is with there is this guy uh, on Instagram. His handle is just Zishan, just Zishan. So I was like, oh shit, that's oh, a gold mine. And he has like a hundred comments, just one picture, and uh, the dis the picture is a picture of yeah, like an yeah. apple. Yeah. And uh, everyone's like, "Oh, I need this profile. This one dude is like, 'Oh, I'm gonna hack, hack your profile and all that stuff.' But then it's still there. So long. That pro- that man just like so long stuck. <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> I don't know if I just like stopped you from talking. No, 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 no. That that's completely fine. I don't really have okay. a lot to say on the on the topic that you were talking about. So I don't want to say something that I don't oh, know really? and come off uh, ignorant. Uh, and rude uh, yeah so yeah that's that's a risk yeah yeah like a lot of trigger people are going to boycott the podcast before it even takes off god of word that yeah i was nice to having me i really no it was a pleasure i, I was a little skeptical i was like mm, but let's do it no 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 you had to do it like you can't say no to me right uh-huh. So I, I was like, oh, please come on my second podcast. <laughs> Now I'm expecting the podcast to just take off, like you know, one million uh, listens and you know, and all that stuff. Because I got you on board, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. You have like an army, right? Nabila's army. We're just gonna take care of all the views and stuff. Every other podcast will have like hundred views, but then only this episode will have. <laughs> this episode will have like one million no, views. No. <laughs> Topic. Like sometimes when people like meet me in real life, they expect me to be like extra, all outgoing and all. Like I'm like really quiet. Like once these people just like 
you are really quiet and I'm I good talk. That's it happens, man. One girl saw me at like the bus stand and she was like, I want to say hi to you and I was like, please don't be creepy. <laughs> Did she ask for no, a selfie? No, no. no, she wanted to say hi. I said, yes, say hi. But like, just stay, stay when I When I run into you, I'll ask for a selfie. That's, that's, how I, that's what I'm going to do. I'll be like, oh, are you, are you that oh, influencer? Yeah, can, yeah. I, can, I, can, I please, can I please take a picture with you? Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Then I'll upload it and sponsor it also. Ride off that traffic. <laughs> no, if you think there's a traffic, take it. Because I think your podcast is going to be great. I think it's important to have like honest conversations. So take it. Take. 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 So yeah, awesome. Uh, do you have anything else to say? Anything that you'd like to... No, man. Like... Uh, not, not really like I'm really sorry if I offended anyone I'm sorry if I incorrectly stated anything sometimes I do it sometimes like the stress just gives to me like once for cedar that's this convention on the elimination of discrimination against women I said convention on the elimination of domestic something <laughs> and I was like wait I studied this I know what cedar means but then you know in the moment you just say things yeah so guys but, uh, I'm also human. Yeah, take a chill if I pill. Said anything goes wrong, just come at me. That's fine. Hold me accountable. But this is what it is. This what Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to stay up to date, please follow us on our Instagram. The handle is Mastering Mediocrity Pod. Till then, stay blessed and peace.